Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. So thanks for being here. Thanks for making this. We only do this one time a year. So thanks for making this weekend a priority. We're glad you're here. Pastor Wade, I'm going to give him a better introduction on Sunday when the rest of the church is here. But he pastors in Bel Air, Maryland, which is a suburb of the Baltimore area. He pastors a multi-campus church, fantastic church. Pastor Wade and I have known each other for many, many years and then we kind of got disconnected for a little while, and we've reconnected over the last several years. So it's great to have my friend Wade Haskins here. Let's give him a good Life Church welcome. Amen. Now, he's, yeah, he's in Baltimore, so that's the north, right? Let's give him a good southern welcome. Amen. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Is this on? How many are glad to be here tonight? I got a doorstop up here. Is this trying to tell me something? I don't know what this. What is a country donut, style donut? What what, what are we talking? Am I missing out? All right. I'm from the South. I was born and raised in Texas. I've never heard of a country style donut before. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to be looking for it. All right. Thank you, Pastor Buddy, for the opportunity. It is an honor to be here. Like you said, my name is uh, Wade Haskins. I'm from Freedom Church in the Baltimore area, and we're just not too far away. I got here in a little hop, skip, and a little bit of traffic jump, so it's good to be here tonight. Um, So praying this week about, you know, God, what do you want me to say to the men of Life Church? And he put this in my heart, and I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of had a little wrestling match, a little questioning match with God of, God, why do you want me to talk about this? But I'm going to say I got a yes in my spirit, and I'm going to share what God put in my heart tonight and tomorrow and Sunday, and I'm going to let God be God. He can deal with all the rest, and pastor can correct anything that I mess up. So are you guys ready to dive in tonight? Can I get a holla at your boy or something? Uh, Come on. There we go. There we go. I want to talk about vision. I want to talk about vision. Um, and I, I believe it is the heart of this church not just to grow a big church, but rather to grow big people. Yeah. And I believe growing big people start with the men of the house. And so I want to I, I breathe some vision. I want to I just speak up to you guys. I want to just lift you guys up today, tonight. And I want to talk about stepping into vision, or I want to call it get out of your tent. That's why I have a tent on stage. Um, But if we're going to step into the vision that God has for each one of us, we've got to start asking the right questions. And we need to be asking, what are the requirements of having vision as a man? And I'm not talking about just having eyesight. I'm talking about having insight. We're not talking about what we see with these eyes, but rather what we see through the the eyes of faith. Can I get an amen? Of what the word of God is speaking to us. What is God saying in my life right now? So if we go to the text tonight, I'm going to be going to Genesis chapter 15. um, Just a few verses here, verses 5 and 6. If you have it, great. I think they may have the scriptures on the screen. There we go. It says, the Lord took Abram outside. Everybody say outside. Outside. 
Abraham was in his tent complaining about the fact that God had promised him a child, but as of yet, where he was standing in his tent, there was no children visible. He's in his tent. He's complaining to God. He's telling God, God, what am I supposed to do? The word that you gave me hasn't come true yet. And finally, God got so tired of his complaining, he's like, Abraham, let's go outside. And when Abraham got outside, he said, Abraham, look up. Everybody say, look up. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now we see a shift here because this was not the story of Genesis 12, 13, and 14. We get, I get tonight that God and Abraham were in relationship, but now in this text we finally see that Abram finally has faith in God. And men, this is a big deal tonight because there's a lot of men who I believe they love God. You love God. We love God. We, we believe in God, but we haven't believed him yet. Are you with me? It's one thing to believe, to believe in him, but it's yet another thing to actually believe what he has said over your life, what he said over your children, what he said over your marriage. Come on, can I get a good amen, somebody? There comes a point, and in fact, it's a Hebrews 11:6 moment where the one who comes to God must believe in him and must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's one thing to say, yeah, they call me P-Dub, by the way, at church back home. Yeah, P-Dub, I believe in God, but, but man, I want to tell you tonight, it's another thing to believe him. All right? Abram makes this shift here in this text. He's like, okay, God. Uncle, I, I believe you. I believe you. I, God, I believe you. But now we get to Genesis 16, and we find the scripture that says, So Sarah said to Abraham, now, what you have to understand tonight, guys, is up to this point, they've waited 25 years to have this boy by the name of Isaac. It still hasn't happened. From the promises in Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 15, they've waited 25 years. So now we're in chapter 16. And Sarah says to Abraham, the Lord, the Lord hath prevented me from having a child. So I guess, Abraham, go sleep with my servant. Perhaps we can have a child through her. And I want you to look how this low dog down dirty Abraham responded. Now what you've got to remember is Sarah is 90. Her servant is probably in her 20s. And so Abraham is like, well, I guess. If it pleases the Lord, I mean, if you're making me do this, Sarah, I mean, I guess if it's for the Lord, I'm just going to go have to sleep with this 20-year-old when I'm married to a 90-year-old. Can I just talk some real talk real quick? There are some things in the Bible that are true that it's just, it's just not good for you. Can I get a good holla at your boy, man? Like adding someone to the bedroom. It's not good. It's not God. And it's not allowed. Amen? Well, Abram did. Well, just because it happened doesn't mean that it was the will of God. In fact, it actually created disaster. Sometimes you read things in the Bible, you're like, oh, P-Dub, that's for me right there. Abraham's my boy. I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Abraham. No! It's not for you. Well, that was my verse. No, it wasn't. That is, that is not your verse at all. Take it off the refrigerator door, somebody. 
I just feel like I needed to clarify for the saints tonight. So God says, get out of your tent, Abraham, and look up and count the stars. Come on, Abraham, I need you to step into the calling that I have for your life. Abraham, I need you to step into the vision that I have. Man, I need you to step up and be the man of God that I've called you to be. Proverbs 29, 18, the proverb writer says, where there is no vision or where there is no prophetic insight, if you cannot see what God is doing, come on, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you cannot see what God is doing over your life, you'll perish. If you cannot see what God is doing in your family, come on, man, you will perish. This word perish means you run wild. You lose restraint. Order will disappear. One translator said, without vision, order disappears. Without a vision, structure disappears. Without a vision, restraint disappears. Without a vision, you run like a crazy man. You go from here to there. You go to and fro. You go left and right. You never move forward without a vision. Are you with me, somebody? Talking about prophetic insight. Not eyesight, insight. Not what you see from here, but rather what you see from here. Not just what you see all around you but what you can see through the eyes of faith. Come on, Life Church men. I, I, I feel God calling us go, from going just to, uh, from surviving, but actually to thriving. To go from, man, how do I just protect mine and me and, and what's around me? Rather than just having that attitude, we're stepping into the future to receive all that God has for us. And I, I, I want to say tonight that there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself, but we can't live in survival mode forever. Eventually, we've got, to, we've got to enter into a Romans 5, 15, 13 life that the God of hope would fill us with all joy, with all peace, with all hope, that we could see the future and that we could enter into what God has for us. Am I talking to anybody tonight? I don't, I don't want to be around men that just are so obsessed with the here and now and maybe what you're collecting and accumulating in this earth, but rather... We shift our focus and we place our eyes on Jesus so that we can step into everything that he's called us to be. Here's the truth. If you want to write some stuff down, I think these are good things to write down. Eyesight. Eyesight shows us what is. Regret shows us what could have been. But vision shows us what could be. Every man in this room, you're either living in one of these tents. Some of you are living in eyesight. You're living in what is right now. You're just stuck in what is. You're only consumed with present day. Some of us were living in the tent of regret, what could have been. Like, why didn't I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I, why did I say that? Why couldn't I have just stepped up and said something? We live in regret, what could have been. But vision, men, vision takes me into what could be. Because I have found that eyesight doesn't change my life. Regret doesn't change my life, but vision, it changes every aspect of my life. Are you with me? I want to get us into vision, not regret, not in just eyesight. And I'm not trying to deny what is, but I've got to keep my eyes on the future. Or what is will turn into what always has been, and we never step into the promises of God for our life. Now, I've been thinking about regret Kind of a lot lately. I don't know why. But I've been kind of taking our church through not living in the curse of regret, not believing the lies of the enemy. 
Because regret is so painful because it's always tethered to a memory. Regret is always connected to a memory. And the reason that regret is so painful is because you can think about something and you can go back there. How many know that a moment of regret can be triggered by one of your five senses? You could see something and it reminds you of something. You, you can hear something and it takes you back. You're walking through Home Depot and a song from the 80s comes on. You're like, oh my God, that was, that was our song. And if you do that, we need to talk afterwards. You can smell something and you can go back to where you were standing, right? You have this deja vu moment and it brings you back to a moment of your life. Regret is so real. It can have so much power over us because we have memories connected to it. But vision is difficult. Vision is difficult because you've never seen it before. You've never gone this way before. You've never been there before. You don't have one of your senses to show it to you. It's so easy to live in regret. It's so easy to live in what could have been because you've got an emotional tie to it. There's a reference point to your yesterday. You can always go back to the emotion, the sound, the smell, the sight, whatever it is. You can go back to it. But vision doesn't have a reference point. Vision, as a man, feels awkward. We look at the life of Joseph. Joseph starts to tell his brothers about his vision, and it creates turmoil. It creates madness. It creates hatred. It creates confusion. Joseph goes to his own father. And tells his father about his God vision, about his dream. And his father gets frustrated with him. Because it's, vision is so out there. It's so theoretical. Re regret is very visual. It's black or white. It's tangible. You can see it. Vision is very gray. I start talking about vision around the people of my life. And they're like, oh, Wade, you're just a big talker. And I would respond to them, I am a big talker. Because I want to become a big walker. Are you with me? And we have to start talking before we can walk in it. Because you have dominion over, over the power of your words. If you can speak it, God can back it up. Are you with me, somebody? I have to talk big. Everybody say, I have to talk big. I have to talk big because my current reality will lie to me. I've got to talk big because my limitation in my own life will lie to me. As a pastor, we have to talk big because there are millions of people outside of our church walls that need Jesus. It's not about the room being full. It's about the people that aren't in the room, man. We have to talk big. I want to get us, I want us to be big thinking tonight. I want us to step into a vision that God has for your life and step out of regret. Because regret will keep you stuck in your past. Eyesight will keep you stuck in your present. But vision, men, will allow you to go forward into everything that God has for your life. So I want to give us three quick points and then we'll be done. Number one, men, you got to get out of your tent. you got to get out of your tent. So Abram, he's in his tent. In verse 5, the Lord says, Abram, come outside. Abram is in his tent complaining about what hasn't happened yet. Now, I'm not casting shade on my man. I'm not judging him. But in chapter 12, God says, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be a father to many. And here we are in chapter 15, 25 years later. 
He was 75 years old when God made the promise. Now he's 100 years old, and he's in his tent, and he's saying, God, where is it? God, where are you? What happened? God, what you said hasn't aligned in my life yet. God, why isn't it coming to pass? I'm not judging Abraham. I'm not judging Sarah for finally saying, you know what, I give up. I understand disappointment, man. Disappointment is a real emotion. I understand heartache. So God says, Abram, I've got to get you outside. I, I, I've got to get you out because it's so easy to get stuck in here. Now, I brought my tent with me tonight. Now, I just got back from a cross-country motorcycle trip. And I promised my wife that I wouldn't spend all of our savings on hotels. So I bought this tent to take with me on the motorcycle trip. I want to try to get my big tail in here if it's all right. Turn your head, ladies, back in the back. All right. All right. I've come to understand that I don't like tents. I stayed two nights in this bad boy out of 50. Can I get a four seasons amen? I enjoy the four seasons of nature in a four seasons. I don't like small things. I don't like this tent. And it's so easy to get stuck in the small. It's so easy to get stuck in complaining to God about what hasn't happened yet. Well, I felt stuck in a tent before. I know that there are people right now, there are men in this room, you feel stuck right now in limitation. Limitation of small, stuck in the limitations of not enough, stuck in the tent of waiting, stuck in the tent of your past. You want to look to your future, but you're still so tied and still tethered and still connected to your yesterday. Stuck in the tent of regret, stuck in the tent of shame, stuck in the tent of bitterness. I want to get free, but I'm still so angry. Stuck in the tent of family history. Pastor Wade, I want to believe, but I've never seen it before. I never saw my dad do it. I never saw my mom do it. I don't have a rich relative to learn from. I don't have a healthy family unit to look to. I've just never seen it. I want it, but all I know is this tent of limitation. All I know is small. All I know is divorce. All I know is alcoholism. All I know is drug addiction. All I know is this porn addiction. All I know is gambling. All I know is anger. All I know is hatred. All I know is prejudice. It's all I know. I've never gotten out of here before. I hear what you're saying. I like it, but I'm stuck. Stuck in old thinking patterns. Stuck in addiction. I don't want to be addicted. I don't want to continue hiding this part of my life from my family but I'm stuck. I'm in a tent called small. I'm in a tent called limitation. I'm in a tent called not enough. Pastor Wade, I have a promise, but where I am right now looks nothing about what God has told me. I want to say if that's you tonight, you're in good company. Because here's what I've come to know is that a, the tent will lie to you. And God is saying, you got to get out. Can I get out of this thing right now? Come on. All right, turn, turn your head, ladies. You got to get out. 
God is saying you have to get out of the tent. Come on, can I get a good amen, somebody? And if you're stuck in a tent, you're in good company. Because here's what God is saying to all of us is you've, you've got to get out of there. Because the tent is lying to you. Small is lying to you. The tent will make you think, say things like Sarah said. Well, the Lord is preventing me. Are you with me? The Lord is causing this. Well, I guess we'll just have to have a baby through Hagar. And I will say tonight that that is not God's plan for any of our life. But when we've been stuck in the tent for so long, I know even being in a church like this, and this is an amazing church, by the way. How many love the church? When, when we get into a life-giving church like this, things like this, what I'm preaching can be so jarring because you're like, hey, dude, what you're saying isn't lining up with my life. And what I'm trying to say tonight is I'm trying to get you to think bigger. Every weekend we come to this place and we're trying to get you out of the tent. As men, we're trying to get you out of the tent. That's why we sing songs that are so encouraging. That's why we sing songs about God that he's a mighty warrior and he's never lost a battle, right? Because we could be at a church for tent dwellers. How many are grateful you're not at a church that are twin tent dwellers? Well, Peter, life is so hard. I just don't think we're going to be able to make it, but God understands. We're going to make it to the other side one day. And I want to say that is bull crap. And these churches for tent dwellers, they just speak to your crap. But this church, and what God is trying to say tonight, he's saying, get out of the tent. I'm trying to get you to think bigger, think better. I've got a vision for your life. Are you with me? God is saying, get out of there. Get out of the tent and look up. Stop looking at what is. Stop looking at what could have been. And stop looking at why it hasn't happened yet. So God tells Abraham, Abraham, look up and count the stars. Stop complaining and start counting. Stop complaining and start counting because God knows your thinking needs to change. And like Abraham, you believe in me, you just don't believe me yet. We've talked, we've walked, but you don't believe my promise. I made you a promise and you don't believe me. It's been good 25 years, Abraham, but right now you're doubting me right now. So I need you to look up. Look up to the hills where your help comes from. I need you to get out of the tent of small. Get out of the tent of limitation. And I need you to see what could be. Because God knows in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, now dear brothers and sisters, one thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Get out of the tent of small and think differently. I, I'm trying to build the men up tonight. you got to think differently. If you don't think differently, no one's going to think differently for you. And so finally it happens. Abraham believes God. Here, here's my second point. God's word usually doesn't look like my world. God's way usually looks different than my way. How many know that to be true? Anybody ever been there? He says, look up to the sky and count the stars, Abram. You don't have any children right now, so what I want you to do is start counting. You don't even have one child right now. Start counting and see what I can do in your life. You know, God could have said, Abraham, look at the trees. Count the trees. 
And Abraham would have said, okay, 10, 20, 30, 40. There are 70 trees right here, God. That's amazing about what you're going to do. God could have said, hey, Abraham, why don't you count tents? Man, there are 300 tents over here on that hill. Man, that's amazing what God can do. No, no, no. God could have said that. And Abraham could have wrapped his head around the tangible. He could have said, look at the birds, and it would have been tangible. But God said, look at the stars, because Abraham could have wrapped his mind around these other things. And God says, I've got to put something in you that you know, that you know, that you know that you could never do without me. Because if it makes sense, it's probably not God. You're like, oh, I can do that. Too small. Oh, that's easy. No, it's not. God says, I've got to give you a picture that, I've got to give you a vision of something that puts a knot in your stomach. When was the last time you got a vision for your family that puts a knot in your stomach? You got a vision for your child that puts a knot in your stomach. God said, I've got to put a picture in you that makes sweat go down your back. I've got to put a picture in you that makes you go, my God, I could never do that. And God says, exactly. I don't want you looking at what you could do. I want you looking at only what I can do for you. God does this multiple times with Abraham. Where he says, look to the stars, look to the sand, try to count it. You can't, Abraham. You can't count the sand. You can't count the stars. This is what, man, we serve a limitless God. That's a God vision, man. And this is what I believe God wants in us tonight. He wants us to have a God vision. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Come on. Abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us to him to that God to to that Jesus be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to do exceedingly. He wants to do abundantly. He wants to do above. That's who our God is. He's he's the God of the more more than enough. He's the El Shaddai. He's the God that never runs out. This is the God men that we serve. This is your God. He's an awesome God. And I know right now it's quite possible that his word doesn't look like your world. And his ways are not our ways. But if you could ever get out of the tent and look up and start counting the stars, I promise you, you're going to start seeing God. Amen. And here's the last one. Here's my last point. The band can come. Thank you, Ben, for being so faithful. Sounded great tonight. Awesome. Here's my third and final thing. You've got to trust God's timing. You've got to trust God's timing. How many know that this is such a, a paramount point in our life? We have to trust God's timing. Timing is everything. Can I, can I say this? How many of you men know that your five minutes and your wife's five minutes are totally different? <laughs> My wife can scream down the halls like, wait, I'm going to need five more minutes. I know I could probably go play nine holes of golf, <laughs> change the oil, get a shower, and be done before she's ready. You know what I'm talking about? Your, your five minutes and your wife's five minutes are completely opposite. Can I tell you that your time and God's time are not the same? God actually said, a day to me is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, I'm not on your Apple Watch. I'm not on your Timex. I'm not on your Rolex. I'm on my own time, man. I'm on my own schedule, and you're not going to get me on your schedule. I know I have known so many Christ-following men that lived her, their whole life trying to get on God's, to get God on their schedule. 
And I want to say I know very few that have just said, okay, God, I give up. I surrender. Allow me to get on your path. So after 25 years, Sarah finally throws up her hands. Abraham, just go. I'm tired of waiting on God. Just, just go sleep with Hagar. I guess we'll just have a child through Hagar. And I want you men to listen to me tonight. There will always be a Hagar available. She had a son named Ishmael. There will always be an Ishmael available. Men, you can have Sarah, you can have Isaac, or you can have Hagar, you can have Ishmael. One takes 25 years, and the other one is in your own timing, doing it your way. Not, be, not having a teachable spirit. Not having a yes in your spirit to God Almighty. One takes a slow process called faith. And one is, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to do this my own way. One is blessed. And the other isn't. It looks similar. But it's not. How many remember playing a game with your kids? There were like two portraits side by side, and they look almost identical. And the goal is to find the, trying to find the differences between the two. Can I tell you, man, that tonight that the, the enemy of our soul, the devil, wants to offer us a vision. And the enemy will go, it's not everything that God promised, but it's faster. This is not everything that God told you was going to happen. But it's easier. It's not everything that God said he was going to give, but you get it right now. Come on, man, you got to trust God's timing. And never forget this, never forget this. The arm of the flesh appears to produce faster than the hand of God. The arm of the flesh, it appears to produce faster. Go, God, why can't you do this right now? Why can't you fix me right now? God, why can't you renew my mind right now? Why can't you work out this relational conflict right now? Could be because God knows you're not ready yet. You think you're ready, but God knows you're not ready yet. When my daughter was 11, she was building up her confidence with her little four-wheeler that we bought her. And she's whizzing around the backyard just acting like a fool. My wife's nervous. I'm like, that's my girl. You know what I'm saying? And one day she crawls up into my F-350. She's like, Papa, I want to drive to church. I'm like, what gives you the right to want to drive to church? Well, I drive my four-wheeler. She thinks she's ready. But God knows she's not ready. And it would be abuse for me to give her something that she's not ready for. So look at what God promises the children of Israel in Exodus 23:30. He said, I'm going to give you this land, but I'm going to give it to you little by little by little. It's not going to happen at once. Why? Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I've got to do it little by little because if I do it big by big, you will not be big enough when it's time to take on certain giants to be able to take those giants. So I've got to give it to you little by little. And if I gave it to you all at once, man, it would crush you. So I've got to give it to you little. We don't like little by little, do we? We don't like it. We, we, we 
want to go from faith to faith. We want to go from strength to strength. I heard one preacher say that they mistranslated these Greek words, and it shouldn't be glory to glory. It should be glory to glory. Strength to. I mean, the, the waiting is crazy, isn't it? We don't like, we like fast. We like Jesus turned the water into wine. We take one miracle in the Bible. He only did a miracle like this one time. Here's what I've learned. God's process. Come on, man, I want you to hear me out. God's process is always slower than I want, but the results are always better than I could have ever imagined. Are you with me? So God is looking at us tonight and saying, hey, do you want a crock pot, slow, roasted, gross, some of us, we like, give us the hot pot. And you say that because your taste buds have not matured yet. Or maybe you burnt your taste buds with the microwave hot pot. But I know so many men, Christ-following men, we've settled for hot pocket Christianity. And God is saying, man, I'm cooking something up so good for you. It's going to be so fire. But if you eat the hot pocket, you're going to lose your appetite for the God thing that I've got for you. Come on, somebody. Quit trying to make it happen fast. And let God do a work in your heart. I wonder, this is my challenge, what if then for the rest of this year, I'm not saying you become Superman overnight, but for the rest of this year, we start lifting our eyes and we start counting the stars. We, we start seeing God speak to us in the things that he's speaking to us. And vision, it's all about perseverance. Are you with me? You can do it your way or you can do it God's way. Hagar will come. Ishmael will come. Second best will come. But I believe from now, this point, the men of this church, for the rest of this year, we are going to be looking up and we're going to be counting the stars saying, God, what are you saying to me? How are you leading me? How are you taking my family on a new path? Come on, somebody. In my marriage, in my family, in my career, in my calling, I'm trusting you, God, fresh and anew. So, Father, right now, we just give you praise. We give you honor. Come on, let's all stand, man. I, I just feel God kind of prompting us a little bit. Well, maybe you, you, you've been caught up in a tent called small. You've been in a, in a tent of limitation. And I just believe tonight that tonight's a good night to break out of that. Some of us, we've been attaching ourselves to some, some things that aren't true about us. And God is calling you out of that tent. Some of, it, some of us, maybe God is calling us out of, out of a tent of abuse that we haven't talked about. Maybe God is calling us out of a tent of unfaithfulness, out of sin or some hang-up. Or maybe God is calling some of us out of a tent of just lethargy, of just being just, just there. You're not making progress and you're not backing up, but you're not doing really anything. And God's saying, you know what, I need you to get out of this tent. I need you to look up and count the stars because what I want to do in your life is so much greater than you can even see in your own strength. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you. Tonight we surrender fresh and anew, God place our heart on the altar tonight. God, we're not going to settle for Hagar. We're not going to settle for
for an Ishmael, God, we're going to wait for Sarah and Isaac. God, we're going we're gonna to wait in your time, God. We are going to place our faith in you. We're going to place our trust in you. We're going to place our children in you. We're going to place our marriage in you, God. God, we're coming out of our tent. God, there are some strong men in this house that are coming out of their tent. And we give you praise and we give you glory. Come on, man. Can we just lift up the praise? Come, can we just lift up the Lord tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, before we wrap it up, I want every man just to take a moment. Lift your hands, and I want you to look up. And we're going to look up to the sky, and I want you to count the stars. And I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for your finances. Maybe it's for your marriage, whatever it is. And just ask them, say, God, help me to believe again. Help me to trust you again. And guys, I want us to call out to him right now. Come on. God, renew my vision. God, renew my heart. Renew my belief, God. Help me to believe you for great things in my life. Come on, man, just cry out to him. Father, we love you, Jesus. Lord, I want to trust you. I want to believe again, God. However long it takes, God, whatever it takes, I'm willing. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. My heart's desire is to see you work, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands one more time. Praise God, praise God. Man, Pastor Wade is so right. We are the ones that lead our families, that lead our church, that lead our community, and we've got to continue to believe God for great things, amen? I appreciate what he said. Don't just live in the present eyesight. Certainly don't live in the past with regret, but trust God with a vision for your future. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.